Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. Again, for our online friends, if you have health concerns and uh, want to avoid uh, larger groups of people, please be careful and continue to enjoy us online. Um, Those of you that uh, have uh, the ability to come and join us, we encourage you to do so. Uh, It's been fun to see more and more folks coming back. And uh, church isn't uh, just content, but in fact, it's relationship. And so we have relationship as we gather here and we greet and we have coffee together and we worship together. So again, I want to invite you to join us when you're able to do so. Last week, we announced that Pastor Nancy had had an issue and had headed into the emergency room and was in the hospital last Sunday. Um, I have a note from her today uh, that I want to read to you. She said, greetings, my friends. Thank you so much for your love and prayers during this past week. I felt them and appreciate them greatly. Just to give you an update, it turns out it was not a heart attack, but a weakening of my heart muscle brought on by an unknown stress event. I am home resting and expect that my heart will recover to full strength over the next couple of weeks. In the meantime, I love you all, and again, thank you for your strong support. Let me encourage you to continue to remember Uh, Pastor Nancy in prayer were encouraged that uh, it wasn't a heart attack and that there wasn't heart damage that way and uh, yet we encourage your prayers for her continued healing. Also want to encourage your prayers for Laurel uh, Kirby, John Kirby, her husband, uh, both a part of the North Sound family, passed away this week. Uh, In fact, passed away on Thanksgiving Day and so want to encourage you to remember um, Laurel in prayer that the Lord with her and her family and bring comfort to them at this time. Pastor Finney talked about in his prayer about not only uh, the Advent celebration we have right now, which is looking forward to Christmas, uh, but indeed Advent, as it's celebrated in many churches, looks forward not only to Christmas, but looks forward to the Lord coming back again. And so it's important, I think, as we go through Advent and the focus tends to be on Christmas, uh, to realize that this world is not all there is uh, and that we have a great future ahead of us. Uh, Just before we look into God's Word together, um, we had an absolutely wonderful evening last night uh, when we had a chance to participate with the tree lighting here in Edmonds. Uh, Pastor Allen, I'm not sure how many years it's been, but it's got to be probably 10, 15 years that we have participated with the city of Edmonds. They've invited us to provide music for it. And yesterday I was there with uh, Sean and Scotty and Ethan and Thomas, and uh, we were watching it, and I pulled my phone out. I have an eight-second video for you, uh, but wanted those of you that missed it to just get a little of the experience. So, Gail, please go ahead. I have no idea why I cut it off right there. We, I should have at least gotten to the end of uh, we need a little Christmas, what is it, joy or? Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So today we do indeed begin a new sermon series 
And uh, somebody told me, um, I think it was Finney, said it was going to be a short uh, sermon series. Thank you very much, Pastor Finney. Uh, so we are going to look at God's Word together. And indeed, um, in these uh, Advent Sundays, we have more music and less preaching. Uh, don't ask me why. Uh, but that's the way it's going to be. And so uh, I invite you to follow along. I told the folks in the first service that I was just going to have the same amount of notes but talk faster. But that actually doesn't work very well. So uh, we'll spend some time together in God's Word. Our series is called Don't Be Afraid. And it's interesting because we're going to talk about the angelic appearances to four key figures in the Christmas story. And in each case, the angel says... Don't be afraid in each case. And so we're going to unwrap those uh, cases uh, as we look together at God's Word this Advent season. Well, for more than a year, we have had a season of fear here in the United States of America and indeed around the world. I, I don't know how well you remember the details, but they're pretty crystal clear in my mind and pretty surreal. We had an event on March 1st, 2020, right here, we had a massive choir, Pastor Allen, there were probably a hundred in the choir, the room was filled, only to find out afterwards that COVID was hitting, and that was going to be our last Sunday, we sort of went out with a bang, but the thing is, is that we began to watch the news, and I don't know about you, but I started to feel this angst this dread as we were looking at this virus coming here from around the world. And right here in the Northwest at the nursing home in, in, uh, in Kirkland, it was like, my goodness. Remember the, remember the pictures of the ambulances pulling up to the nursing home uh, in, in, uh, in Kirkland? And, and the fear that we had, a lot of it having to do with the unknown. Like, how bad is this going to be? What's going to happen? Is my family going to be safe we went through that crazy time, and I can remember watching the news in the morning much more than I, than I used to on television. We would turn on the Today Show at, what, 7 o'clock, Barb, and watch that, the news cycle there for about 20 minutes, and it was bad news after bad news after bad news after bad news. And they told us it was going to be two weeks, right? Remember that? Two weeks? Now it's going to be two years, and uh, what, a, what a crazy time we've had. The CDC uh, reported a study that looked at one week last year, one week in 2020. It said adults, and this was in June of 2020, adults reported considerably elevated adverse mental health conditions associated with COVID-19. Younger adults, racial ethnic minorities, essential workers, and unpaid adult caregivers reported having experienced disproportionately worse mental health outcomes, increased substance use, and elevated suicidal ideation. In June, late June of last year, 40%, so 4 in 10 U.S. adults reported struggling with mental health or substance abuse issues, according to the CDC. But, friends, fear has been around much longer than the pandemic, much longer in our own lives, and certainly much longer in the world. It's more persuasive than a fear of spiders. Uh, Kevin, I, I talked to Sue in the, in the break between services, 
And I reminded her, I said, I was going to talk about your fear of spiders, but I wasn't sure. But she laughed, so I figured I could get away with it in this service. But uh, our neighbors, Kevin and Sue, going back to 1985, um, Sue had a fear of spiders. And Kevin, you were usually the one rescuing Barb when I was away on Navy trips. But when a spider came to your house, guess who got called? Moi. And I have no idea why you didn't handle the spiders, Kevin. Maybe we could talk about that later. Uh, But in any case, these fears are far more serious than some of the phobias that we have. The New Testament is pretty relevant to who we are and what we have experienced because obviously they experienced fear in those days. And there was a lot of, kind of like the pandemic today, there was a lot of underlying fears that were just pervasive in that world. Do you know that life expectancy in the first century was 35 to 40 years of age. Most of us in the room, the vast majority of us in the room today are at least 35 years of age, and that was the average life expectancy. Ambitious or talented young men, or young men like Herod the Great, 19-year-old son Archelaus, who inherited kingdoms, was forced to grow old quickly. By age 20, their life was already half over. Alexander the Great in the 3rd century B.C. reigned over his father kingdom and commanded an army that conquered the then-known world when he was 20 years of age. Charlemagne ruled most of Western Europe in the 700s A.D. when he was 26 years of age. Girls in those days would marry at 12, 13 years of age. And by the time they reached 10 years of age, half the children in the New Testament time had already passed away. Incredible childhood, infant and childhood mortality. It, It kind of adds new understanding to Jairus coming to Jesus and saying, would you pray for my daughter? Um, the, the, that was quite common at that time. Fathers in those days could choose whether to keep a baby or to practice infanticide, put the baby outside if the baby was unwanted, often if it was a girl, put the baby outside and uh, someone might come along and pick up the child and raise it to be a temple prostitute or a slave. So the average Jew in those days was a farmer. It was an agricultural lifestyle. And they would have a small plot of land and they would uh, be obeying the timeless rhythms of the soil and the weather. And the early Jew rose before the sun dressed in a simple woolen or cotton kind of tunic, leather sandals, and tilled fields for several hours before coming in for the morning meal of vegetables and bread. And then would go out and work the fields, and having done so, uh, would then come in later in the day. His home was no more than a few rooms with walls of stone and mud and a roof of beams and branches that were also filled in with mud. And after coming in from the fields at the end of the day, he and Uh, His family would gather and they would have an evening meal. They may read some scripture together, what we would call the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, Maybe if they were fortunate, they would dance or sing a a little bit. Uh, The man's neighbors uh, had the same uh, basic 
uh, understanding. Their lives were similar. They had a courtyard that they may have shared and similar, similar schedules. Taxes were absorbent in those days. Uh, about 50% uh, were taxes at that particular time and the cause of the destitution of many in that season. There was a lot to fear. A lot to fear in the first century. There was the, the, um, the, uh, the occupation of the Romans that was ever there. There were the, the taxes. There was the need to be physically well because if you couldn't go work the fields, you and your family were not going to eat. There was no social welfare system. Poverty was just around the corner for almost everyone. And into that world came baby Jesus and the first Christmas. Today, in the passage that Casey read for us, we have the story in Matthew, uh, essentially of the Christmas story, or at least pieces of it. We have the genealogy, we have this brief section, and then we have the story of the wise men. So at Christmas time, almost always we read the Christmas story from Luke because it seems to be a little more chronologically uh, in a way that we can understand it and that it all fits. But today we're looking at the appearance of the angel to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, and Gail's going to put up a slide for you. Again, I always encourage you to look at your phone or your Bible if you brought it with you and follow along. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son, you'll call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So let's take a moment and unpack this together. First of all, uh, as I mentioned, this is a different story than what we find in Luke. And here are some of the differences. So there's a genealogy here, and there's a genealogy in Luke. But the genealogy here begins with Abraham, the father of the Jewish people. And Matthew is a gospel that is written for a Jewish audience because if you look a little bit deeper into Matthew, you'll find it's actually divided into five books, like the five books of the Torah, the five books of the Old Testament. And uh, the pedigree of Jesus as a Jew is established here. It's very important for Jesus to be identified in that context. And it's interesting because because Luke begins not with Abraham, the founder of the Jewish people, but he begins with Adam in the genealogy and makes the point that Jesus essentially is for all of us, for everyone, because Luke was written for primarily a Gentile audience. So before we get to the appearance of the angel, let's look at some other details. It says that Joseph was a just, righteous man. He was a, he was a good guy. And when he found his fiancée pregnant, he had all kinds of options. Some of them were really nasty. But he chose not to engage in that, but he was going to quietly divorce her, quietly provide for a separation, not to embarrass her. The scripture says it was a virgin birth. 
A virgin birth is not a problem if you have any belief in the supernatural. God is able to accomplish what God wants to do. His name Jesus means Yahweh is salvation. That's what the word Jesus means. Here in Edmonds, Washington, we don't typically name our little boys Jesus, do we? But in some parts of the world, uh, particularly in Latin America, Jesus or Jesus is a, uh, is a relatively common term. Our friends up at Edgewood Baptist Church until recently had a worship leader and team member whose name was Jesus, Jesus. And uh, he moved uh, in the last few months or so to, uh, to Florida where he, uh, he carved out an acreage down there and is going to do some farming. But um, we had a lot of fun with Pastor Kevin, the pastor of Edgewood Baptist Church, by reminding him that Jesus had left Edgewood Baptist Church. So the text tells us here that the Holy Spirit was the agent of conception Jesus was truly the Son of God and Son of Man, and he's given that name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And indeed, that's the story of the incarnation, the story of God becoming a human being and living with us, the Christmas story. Now, the text tells us in verses 18 to 20 that Mary was with child without having had sex with Joseph. A reminder that Mary was probably 12 or 13 years of age, and that was the Jewish custom, as we learned already Joseph would have been older, a good guy. He decided to deal with the situation quietly. And he was now afraid. He was afraid to take her as his wife. He didn't know what the consequences would be of what was about to take place here. But the angel appears to him and says, do not be afraid. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Joseph was afraid to take a pregnant woman as his wife. And I I want to ask you this morning, not to respond out loud, but in the quietness of your own heart, what might you be afraid of as we enter into this Advent season? Amy Morin in Inc. magazine identifies the top 10 fears that hold people back. She says the first one is change. The world is rapidly changing. There are many people who fear change, and so they resist it. And this can cause folks to miss out on many good opportunities that come our way, a fear of change. The second one is a fear of loneliness. The fear of loneliness can sometimes cause people to resist uh, living alone, even staying in relationships or situations that are not healthy. The fear of loneliness can cause people to obsessively use social media and instead of engaging in real relationships with with real people face to face. And while it's smart to ward off loneliness because loneliness, uh, profound loneliness has the same health effects as being a cigarette smoker, it's important to surround ourselves with healthy people and healthy social interaction. The third thing she mentions is the fear of failure. One of the most common fears on earth is the fear of failure. It's embarrassing to fail. If you've ever failed, and I know you have, I have, um, it's embarrassing. And so we may have a feeling that it reinforces our beliefs that somehow we don't measure up. 
We also want to, may want to avoid something where success is not guaranteed. So we, we limit uh, what we will engage in unless we know that we can be successful in it. And ultimately, we'll miss out on the life lessons and opportunities that come with going for it. The fourth thing she mentions is rejection. Whether you fear rejection by asking an attractive person out on a date or asking your boss for a raise, the fear of rejection could keep you stuck. And while rejection stings, it doesn't hurt as much as missed opportunity ultimately. The fifth thing is uncertainty. People often avoid trying something different for fear of uncertainty. There's no guarantee that doing something will make a life better. But staying in the same rut is a surefire way to be stagnant. The sixth thing she mentions is a fear of something bad happening. It is an unfortunate and inevitable truth that bad things happen and bad things happen to good people. Sometimes the fear of doom presents people from enjoying the richness of life as it is. Number seven is getting hurt. Our fears of getting hurt cause us to become emotionally overprotective of ourselves. When we feel that way these uncomfortable feelings and emotional wounds might prevent us from making deep, meaningful connections with other people, or it might stop us from feeling vulnerable at work or in other relationships, but without emotional risk, there are few rewards. The eighth thing she mentions of people being afraid of is being judged. It's normal to want to be liked. We all want to be liked, but there's a danger in presenting a self that we think others want rather than being genuine to who we actually are. Number nine is inadequacy. Another fear shared by many people is the feeling of not being good enough. If you feel like this, you don't feel like you don't measure up and become an underachiever, or you might be a perfectionist in an order to try to prove it's not true or prove your worth. The fear of inadequacy can be uh, deep-rooted, and while it's hard to face head-on, we'll never succeed if we don't think we're worthy of our success. And then finally, she mentions the loss of freedom. A certain amount of fear can be healthy, but it becomes a problem when it holds us back in life. For many people, the fear of the loss of freedom becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because we, we fear uh, that freedom. We don't engage in ways that would allow us to actually experience freedom. For example, someone who wants to live a free life might avoid getting a job with a steady income. Consequently, they miss out on the freedom that comes with financial stability. It's important to think about what we may be giving up when we avoid engaging in that pursuit of freedom. This week, this past week, I was in a meeting with our new chief of police, Michelle Bennett. And Michelle was talking about the problem of homelessness in Edmonds. And as she was talking about it, she said one of the challenges is that we assume that homeless people have issues that need to be solved, issues of poverty or issues of mental health or whatever. But she said one of the problems that they face as the Edmonds police is that when they go to people and offer them resources, they don't want the resources 
They want their freedom. They want the freedom to live as they want, to do what they want, when they want to do it, regardless of the consequences that would be devastating for most of us. So whatever you fear, whatever you may be struggling with, I want in this brief Christmas message now in just a few moments to give you from our passage some ways that we can respond to this passage that tells us don't be afraid. First of all, don't be afraid because God has a plan. Verse 22, Matthew tells us that this whole episode happened, and I'm quoting from him now, in order to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Centuries before, we read about this in Isaiah and elsewhere, centuries before, God had a plan to redeem the world, and Joseph, Joseph had a place in God's plan. And Joseph needed to respond. Now, I happen to believe in the fact that God gives us a free will, and Joseph could have chosen to proceed with putting Mary aside. He, he had the ability, he had the free will to do that, and the loss would have been incredible. But essentially, God had a plan. Joseph had a part in that plan. Joseph then had a choice whether he was going to engage in the plan of God for the salvation of the world, and thankfully he made that choice. Friends, God has a plan, and he invites us to participate in that plan. Secondly, don't be afraid because you have a purpose, verse 20. Verse 20, the angel says to to Joseph the simple words, take Mary as your wife. Take Mary as your wife. Joseph, no doubt, had many things he could do and indeed did do, but history remembers him for something very special, the ultimate purpose given him by the angel. And throughout history, from that time forward, we know Joseph as the husband of Mary. In Psalm 57, verse 2, in the English Standard Version, we read, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Friends, there's great power in understanding our purpose, regardless of our age, regardless of our situation in life. God has a purpose for us. You will will not hear me quote, quote Friedrich Nietzsche very often from the pulpit. But in this case, he was right when he said these words. He said, he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. He who has a why or purpose to live for can bear almost any how. Friends, God has us here for a purpose. Meaningful life begins with knowing your why and living it out. And then the third and final thing this morning is that we don't want to be afraid because we can do it. Don't be afraid because you can do it. Verses 24 and 25. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to his son, and he called his name Jesus. Notice the words in the passage. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded. Friends, we don't need to be afraid to do what God commands because he wouldn't call us 
to do what he calls us to do in life if we weren't capable of doing it. Our response is to be obedient to the call. I close with a story of King Henry III of Bavaria. In the 11th century, King Henry grew tired of court. He grew tired of the responsibilities he had as king, and he decided he wanted something radically different. And so he went to Prior Richard, who headed up the monastery where the king resided. And he explained this to him, that he wanted to be accepted into the monastery and live a life of contemplation and prayer thereafter. Prior Richard said, do you understand that the pledge here is one of obedience? And that will be hard because you have been a king. I understand, said Henry, the rest of my life I will be obedient to you as Christ leads you. Then I'll tell you what to do, said Prior Richard. He said, go back to your throne and serve faithfully in the place where God has put you. And when Henry died, King Henry died, a statement was written that said this. It said, the king learned to rule by being obedient. The king learned to rule by being obedient. Friends, when we are in a situation where we may tire of our roles and responsibilities, it helps to remember that at least in this season, God has put us in a certain place and told us to be a good accountant or a good teacher or a good mother or father, a good retired person, because Christ expects us to be faithful in this moment where he has placed us and we have the joy of looking forward in this Advent season not only to the first Christmas, but the fact that we who are faithful here will rule and reign with him in the future. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you this morning for the blessing of your presence. We thank you, Lord, for the promises of your word, and especially, Lord, in this Advent season for our anticipation of your birth. I pray, Lord, in this season that you would help us to live with anticipation and joy as we remember the first Christmas and as we look forward to that eternal reunion with you and those that we love in Jesus' name.